0: be loving and command the killings in the Old Testament? Well, whether this is a question of someone trying to understand God better or whether this is an objection trying to show that God doesn't exist, this is something that we should be able to have a response to. So you're listening to Coffeehouse Questions. This is Ryan Polly. You know, if you've been following Coffeehouse Questions for any amount of time, you've probably seen that this summer I was speaking up at Hume Lake Christian Camp for a series uh, of events, giving talks to their youth leaders and pastors about how relativism is undermining their students' faith in Christ. I also gave talks to the students on can we trust the New Testament and also is Jesus the only way. And I had a blast doing that. A few of those talks are up online. You can find them at coffeehousequestions.com. But one of my favorite parts was that uh, every afternoon during the free time, I had a chance to do a QA and a with the students. And each time it lasted over two hours. The, th- the second time, uh, almost three hours. And so just an amazing time of ans- uh, answering questions for these students. But this is one of those things that came up. And, um, and this was a video that I posted on my website uh, the first question of how can God be loving if he commands the killings in the Old Testament. I posted it to my website, and I received a comment uh, pointing out about six or seven things uh, that maybe I misspoke or, or things that needed clarification. Rather than writing it out, I decided that I would respond to the comment here on the pa- podcast. And so what we're going to do is something I haven't done before, and, and I am going to play the podcast for you guys, or, or play the video. I'm sorry about that. Play the video and uh, pause the video at each moment where the person made the comment, uh, pointing something out, and to give my response. So without further ado, let's start with the video. Who wants to ask the first question? Yes! Um, and what's your name? Caitlin. Caitlin. So, like, how would you explain to a non-Christian about, like, that God's, like, a loving and caring God and cares for us individually, like, when he tells, like, certain parts in the Bible, like, to kill other people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question. Who wants to start with an easy one? <laughs> uh, okay, so how would we explain to someone that God is a loving being, even though we see him commanding people to get killed? Um, okay, this is huge. Um, so many thoughts pop into mind about ways that we can go about this. One, I just want to start by asking questions. Uh, what you'll see is that most uh, questions that are raised need clarification. Um, and we should, when we're getting in conversations, Ask good questions to make sure that we understand what people are really saying, what they're really asking. Because many times, have you ever seen two people that are like just talking past each other because they're talking about two different things? Right, it happens all the time. So we want to make sure we're asking good questions. So if I'm in a conversation, um, one, it's probably important, like, do they actually think this God exists, you know? All right, so it is here that uh, the commenter uh, makes his first objection to my question uh, that we should actually, that we should ask people, do you actually think that God exists? And he says, uh, quote, irrelevant question to your point. Either they do and they're trying to understand God or they don't and they're trying to understand you or show you're wrong. If they don't believe God exists, they are stepping into your worldview, one where God does exist, to make a point or understand further, like a proof by contradiction. So there's his first comment uh, and what he was kind of thinking that I maybe didn't speak so well about maybe uh, that I brought up an irrelevant question. Well, I don't think that this question is irrelevant. Now, I'm not using this question to, to prove them wrong or to do anything like that. Uh, if they say, no, I don't think God exists, I'm not going to say, oh, well, then you can't raise this objection. Of course not. Because I do agree with him that this question is either going to come from a someone who does think that God exists, trying to understand that God better, trying to understand what happened in the Old Testament better, or someone who doesn't think God exists, but they are uh, trying to understand the Christian God, And maybe to prove the Christian God wrong or something like that. And so that's why I'm asking this question. I want to know going into this conversation... Is this person a Christian that is struggling with trying to make sense of the Old Testament? Uh, Are they someone who maybe just believes in God, but they don't understand how or why he did these things? Or is this someone trying to prove Christianity wrong uh, because they don't believe in God, but they also think that this God is evil? And so it's not an irrelevant question. It is irrelevant, I guess, if you want to say, is, is that I'm not trying to use the question to prove the person wrong or anything. Uh, But I'm trying to use the question to understand where this person is coming from so that I can best answer their question. So that's why I would ask, uh, do they actually think God exists? Let's go back to the video. Uh, But here's the thing. Uh, There's a couple ways to go about it is one, I might say, why is killing people wrong? All right, so it is here that uh, I ask my second question, and I ask, uh, instead of asking, do you think this God actually exists, Um, you should also start with now the second question of why is killing people wrong? If this person is going to be upset that the God of Christianity is killing people in the Old Testament, I want to know uh, why they think killing people is wrong. And here is the second point uh, where this commenter uh, has an objection, and he says, uh, you move on to your why is killing people wrong point. From a secular perspective, this is easily answered with empathy and compassion. We're actually going to get to that uh, at his next objection, but he continues. But again, this is off point. The question is posed from a Christian worldview. Christians think killing is wrong, so why does God get to do it? And does it change anything if he is loving? Now, there's a couple things I want to say here. Uh, First, um, I'm asking my first question, do you think this God actually exists, to figure out, is it coming from a Christian worldview? Is it someone outside the worldview just trying to prove Christianity wrong, or are they trying to understand the Christian worldview? So, I wouldn't say it it is posed from a Christian worldview. Now, it is coming against the Christian God, and here is where he, where he says that Christians think killing is wrong, and I would actually disagree with that. Um, Christians would think that murder is wrong, and murder is the unjustified uh, taking of innocent life. Uh, um, some Christians would agree, at killing, but, uh, I wouldn't think that it is most, um, and I'm not someone who I would say that killing is wrong in the sense that there are justified reasons for taking the life of another human being. And so there are uh, maybe just war uh, theories that I do believe in, just wars, where you can go in and, and take someone's life and it not be wrong. Um, I also believe in self-defense into where uh, if someone is attacking and taking an innocent life, uh, you can, uh, in there's justification for going and taking that person's life and so that they do not do a greater harm. And, and you are taking uh, that life of someone who is... Is, is doing something wrong. And so uh, that is why I think uh, the correct translation of the Ten Commandments is not, thou shalt not kill, but thou shalt not murder. It's the unjustified taking of innocent life, because as we see, God commanded uh, killing in the Old Testament. And so um, I do think there's that distinction. Now, he does ask the question, so why does God get to do it? Well, I think it's simple. And now, and now let me give you an analogy and like most analogies, they're not perfect, but I do think this gets the, the, my, my overall point across in a simple way. And, and here's uh, how I explained it one day to my students. I, I told my students, I said, okay, now if you were to come into my classroom and you see my iPad sitting on the table and, and, I, and I hand my iPad to you and I said, please take care of my iPad. And then you took it and you smashed it on the ground would that be wrong? And they said, yeah. And I said, why? And they said, because it's your iPad. We do not have the right to smashing your iPad. I said, exactly. And also I asked you to take care of it. Um, and, and I told you this is valuable, right? This is important. Please take care of this. And then you break it. That would be wrong. It's not yours to break. Now, do, do I have the ability to smash my own iPad? And they said, well, yeah, you do. Now, I don't One student immediately said, well, I don't know. Why would you do that? And I said, well, I wouldn't. But if I bought this, do I have the ability? Can I just break it if I want? And the answer is yes, I can, because it is mine. Now, one more scenario is, well, what if I handed my iPad to a student and I said, will you break this for me? Do they now have the ability to break it? And the answer is yes, because I, being the owner of that thing, asked them to break it And so they now have the ability to break it, whereas before it would have been wrong if they would have broken it. Now, I think this is a, a similar way in which God deals with us. God created our lives. Our lives belong to him. He asked us to care for this world and for each other, to treat each other with love and respect. And so if I go take the life of another innocent human being without justification, that would be murder, and that is wrong. It is wrong because it's not my life to take. However, God being the creator of life, it is his to take and to give. And so for him, it is not the same. It is not murder. It is his life. And so he can give life and he can also take life and it's not wrong. And so to try and and apply God to a different category or to the same category, to the same as us, is not the same because he's not us. He is not a created being that needs to love and respect other created beings. He is the creator of that thing. He is the owner. It is, we are, we are his. Our life is in his hands. Now, and then I think the last part of my analogy that goes along with this, God has asked us to care for those around us. Now, if God commands us, as he did in the Old Testament, he commanded the Israelites to take the life of other people. Then I think that would then be justified because the one who created and gave that life has the ability to take away either by himself, as we see in the Old Testament of God taking life, or by commanding someone to go take that life. But again, it is God commanding it to do it. It is his life to take. And so that's not wrong. Now, the second point I think that we need to mention here on why is is killing people wrong and, and can God do this is to recognize that God wasn't just going around just killing random people for no reason or commanding the killings of random people for no reason in the Old Testament. What we see is that these people were killed as an act of judgment because of their evil deeds. And if you ask most people, right, we we recognize that evil needs to be punished. And I think just in, in, in the same way that a parent can be a loving parent and yet punish their children. No, they're not killing their kids, but punishment doesn't mean that you're unloving to punish someone. And so these people uh, com- committed evil things in the sight of the Lord. Uh, and they were punished, and the, what they did was so evil that they deserved death. And again, that is isn't just against other people groups, but the Israelites also faced death for the evil things that they did. And so, again, this is kind of the two-point thing. I think that God is at a different position where he is the creator of life, so he can give life and take it. But also, he's not just randomly taking it, just flipping a coin, but he is taking it for a purpose. There is a justified reason, and that is the sins of the people. And so here, I I don't think uh, that it is wrong from a Christian worldview uh, for God to take the lives of people who have done wrong and deserve punishment. Let's go back to the video. Why is it wrong to kill people? Now, the reason why I ask this is because depending on your view of the world, you have a different view on what is morally right and what is morally wrong. Someone, generally, when it comes to atheists, when it comes to non-Christians, uh, so people that hold to a secular worldview, their view of ethics is going to be called what's called ethical relativism, where, relative, where morality changes from person to person. You can't tell someone else that what they're doing is wrong. Now, that's what is, is consistent with an atheistic worldview. So if an atheist is going to say, what God did in the Old Testament is wrong, well, who are they to say that what this is, why do you think this is wrong? Is it just something they don't like? Or is it actually wrong to kill people? If it's wrong, how do you know that's wrong? What can you give as the foundation for right and wrong that actually makes that action wrong? Now, it's at this point that he makes his third comment on the video uh, on the idea of moral relativism or ethical relativism within an atheistic framework. And he says that ethical relativism or morality changes from person to person is consistent with an atheistic worldview. And he goes, in one sense, I agree. For the average Christian point of view and most apologists, if morality is not absolute, it's relative. But I think that this oversimplifies the distinction and leaves the listener with a false understanding. As with meaning, the difference is really absolute versus temporal. Um, and so here he's saying, no, it's it's not just, this is a false distinction. I'm not giving an accurate representation of the atheistic worldview. Um, he goes on later and he says, a good apologist will attack a stronger argument. And so he says, look, there, there's a stronger representation of the atheistic argument. And I, I don't think that I'm representing the atheistic argument poorly. Th- this is the thing. If there is no person, if there is no authority figure that is higher than human beings, then humans become the ultimate authority. And so then we make the rules. And so then the rules are either created by the the one who is in the most power. They get to create morality. Um, It's either just cultural. Each culture gets to create morality or it's individual morality. I say relativism where I can just create uh, the morality that I want to. And so in that sense, I would say, yes, it is true that either morality is objective. There are th- some things that are objectively wrong, meaning they're wrong for all people at all times and all places, whether you believe it or not, or it becomes relative based on the culture or the individual. And so in this sense, I don't think that I'm oversimplifying the distinction. Um, I he, he tried to make the point earlier that uh, you can have... Uh, Things called empathy and compassion. But then again, why should I be compassionate? Is it just your opinion that I should be compassionate? Or is there some sort of authority figure that is over me and over governments that says that everyone at all times and all places should be compassionate? And so in that sense, we we are left with this relativistic uh, view of morality, where it's depending on the culture, depending on the authority. And so I don't think that this is a, a weak argument. I think that when you boil down secular morality, this is what you get. You get a, a moral relativism because there is no one above human beings. Now, he he goes on and he says, it also doesn't address the fact that God's laws appear to be relative, relative. One set in the Old Testament for one people at one time, a different set for everyone else for a later time. Now, just because something changes or appears to be relative does not mean it is relative. There are parts of the Old Testament laws that God commanded for the people in that covenant for them to do that is not then applied to the next covenant. But we also see objective laws that have been passed through the covenants. Uh, Laws like honor the Lord your God, right? Love one another. These are things that we saw in all of the covenants, the objective standard. And so even though some of the details might have changed, it does not change the fact uh, that God has set an objective moral standard for us to follow. Now, Christian worldview can ground what's called objective morality, that there are things that are right and wrong that doesn't change from culture to culture. Other worldviews are going to say morality is relative based on our culture. Our culture doesn't like murder today. Well, then who are you to judge a culture from thousands of years ago? They had their view, so it must have been a good thing, right? Right? So again, here he jumps in trying to get my uh, understanding of where I say that our culture doesn't like murder murder today. And he says that I'm using this trying to get their view of morality. But again, he says, this is irrelevant to your point. Christians say uh, killing is wrong, yet God God not only does it, but orders it. And he does this in the face of being called a loving God. That is the point. Well, That might be the point, but that's why I'm asking this question. I'm trying to understand, does this person uh, think that uh, they're coming into the Christian worldview trying to understand God, or are they holding a relativistic view of morality just trying to prove Christianity wrong, uh, but within their relative framework? And so that's, again, why I'm asking this question. Um, If they hold to moral relativism, I'm going to say, then how can you judge another culture? Now, if then they respond and say, well, no, I'm trying to understand the Christian view. The Christians say that this is wrong, therefore it's wrong. Well, then that goes back to what we discussed before, where, no, this is uh, not an unjust taking of innocent life. Plus, God has the ability to take and to give life, being the creator of that life. And so if he, if this person is stepping into the Christian framework, as the commenter says, then no, it is not wrong for God to do it, as we discussed before. But again, I'm going to ask this question because if they are just coming from their atheistic framework where morality is relative, yet then trying to say that the Bible is immoral, who are they to judge the Bible on its morality? And so, again, that's why we're asking these questions, trying to understand uh, which position are they taking? Uh, and that's going to be guiding our discussion. So it's hard to know when you're not actually having this conversation with someone. And so I'm trying to kind of hit on multiple points, uh, but not knowing exactly what the objector would be thinking. And so those are a couple different ways and a couple different ways to think about and questions to ask when dealing with this objection. So let's go back to the video. So I might want to ask them the questions of why do you think that this is a wrong thing? Why do you think this is bad? Trying to get their view of morality. Cause that's going to help me understand how they think about this. Second thing, Um, I think that we can do is we can make the objection even stronger. Well, why are you upset that God killed a couple people? Why not look at the flood where God killed everyone except for one family? Let's look at the biggest example where everyone was wiped out. Now let's deal with, now that's a good objection. Let's talk about that one. Help make the objection a little bit stronger. So with my statement here, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make sure that I'm not kind of getting out easy uh, by just explaining away one little murder or something like that, uh, one killing, but I'm trying to make sure that I am uh, answering the biggest objection. But uh, again, the commenter uh, didn't really like what I said, and he he quotes me. He says, why are you upset that God killed a couple of people? Let's make the objection even stronger. What about Noah's flood? But he says this doesn't make the objection stronger. If God only ever killed one person— what you'll say in that moment, evil behavior, it, that is enough to accuse him. Simply adding bodies changes nothing. However, adding innocence to the equation, like babies alive at the time of the flood, would make a difference because then you have to come up with a new just so stories to justify that. Well, and I would agree with him, and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm not, before my comment was that these are uh, sinful, evil people uh, that deserved punishment. And so that can, I think, be more easily explained. Now, when you add children, you add animals, you add um, everyone you know women and children and, and everyone into the picture, then that does become a lot more difficult to answer, and so we have to then justify and look at the fact that what scripture teaches is that every single person is doing evil. When we open up to Genesis chapter six uh, verse five, it says the Lord saw that the saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. And so here is is an example where we see right before the flood that every thought of mankind was evil continually. That the evil had completely gripped them, and so they were deserving of this punishment. Now you might ask, well what about the children? Well I think that there's there's reasons for that. I've written in a blog on on how could God command the killings of the Canaanite children. Um, But in short uh, there's a couple ways to look at this, and one is is that um, you, know, you could say that God would have known what they would do in the future and that they would have rebelled against him. Um, also, you could say that uh, if children do go to heaven, that actually God was saving the children uh, from growing up in an evil society, which would have turned them against him and instead was giving the children salvation. There's a debate on this from both sides, but again, I think that there's good reason and good justification uh, why that could be taken. Uh, now is not quite the time to get into that. That could be a long discussion. But again, I do think this makes the objection stronger because now you're bringing in women and children, uh, which needs a more detailed, in-depth response than just, oh, here's this one super bad guy. He got killed. We're fine. And so that's why I'm going to bring this up is just to make sure uh, that it doesn't look like to the other person that I am trying to kind of escape with an easier response. Well, here's where you get into another, I think, conflict with that worldview. A lot of times what you'll hear from non-Christians is if God is loving— He would end all evil, pain, and suffering, right? He would get rid of all evil. If God is loving, he will get rid of all evil. All right, so there's two quick comments after this section uh, on if God is loving, then he would get rid Of all evil, Uh, first commenter says, "I would never argue something like this. It's not up to me, the atheist, to say what your God would do. You make the claim that God is loving, and in the Bible says He killed some people. It's your responsibility to explain this. Well, one, uh, it's possible that this atheist would never argue something like that—that it's not up to him to say what God would do. Uh, But I hear this over and over and over from many atheists. In fact, one of the you know the major arguments against God is that if God is all loving, He would want to stop evil. If God is all powerful, then He could stop evil." Evil still exists. So either God is not all loving, he's not all powerful, or he doesn't exist. This is one of the most common objections that I hear about God and how he cannot be loving or powerful because evil is flourishing. And so maybe this atheist would not argue, make this argument, uh, but this is one of the most powerful arguments um, that. If he's loving, then he would get rid of evil. Now, he says then, you make the claim that God is loving. The Bible says he has to kill some people. Uh, it's your responsibility to explain this. And there I felt like I have resp- explained this a few times, uh, so I'm not going to go over it again. But again, this is an argument that is made many times by atheists. Maybe not by this one, uh, but I've heard it many times before. Well, here's an example of God getting rid of evil, and then they get mad and say, if God is loving, he would not have done this. So I might ask the question and say, Okay, well, what do you want him to do? Do you want him to kill all evil people and get rid of evil? Or do you want him to let evil flourish if he's a loving God? Which one is it? So that's another thing is kind of, well, which one do you want? Do you want him to end evil or not? Um, If he's loving God, wouldn't he end evil? Yeah, well, here's an example of him stopping evil and you get mad about it and say, if he's loving, he wouldn't do this. Which one do you want? So that's another way. All right, so here we come to the final objection or question on this video. Uh, And here he says, do you want him to end evil or let it flourish? And he says, it's not what I want. What does God want? Because he does both. You've already pointed out that God punishes evil, not only in the Old Testament, by the way, I'm sure you're aware of Ananias and Sapphira, but he also allows evil to flourish. And Here he quotes Psalm uh, 73, 11 to 14 and Romans 1. 24. So if your explanation for God's homicidal tendencies is punishing evil, the question becomes why does God punish in some cases and not others? The typical answer to this is it's a mystery that maybe God will reveal to us later. Uh, he, His ways are beyond our ways. If that's your answer, that's a complete cop-out and no explanation at all. Well, A couple things. One, I don't think it's a cop-out. I know uh, Greg Coco often says, when someone says, why didn't God? Well, the answer is, well, we don't know unless God has specifically told us. Uh, There are lots of things that God did, and we can't know it until he has told us why he did it. And it's the same with human people. Um, I might do something. If I didn't tell anyone why I did it, if you ask, well, why did Ryan do that? I don't know. He didn't let us know. And so that's not completely a cop-out. So we have to see, well, has God given us any explanation? And so one uh, short possible explanation I think that we can look at is that um, I think in the same way that God has, has punished evil at times as an example uh, for the people to return back to him. We saw this all throughout the Old Testament, that God was very strict with his laws, that when people broke the laws, there was serious consequence, and the people turned back to him. And so we, we have an example of this punishment happening over and over uh, that uh, we now can learn from. And so now I think that we can be thankful that uh, we don't immediately drop dead when we tell uh, a single lie, uh, because if that were to happen, no one would live. And so we, we have to be thankful for God's mercy and his forgiveness uh, on those things. But at the same time, we see examples of God punishing, like with Ananias and Sapphira. With, they drop dead because of one lie. They lied to the Holy Spirit. And they lied to God. And so that then teaches us the seriousness of this. And so even though it is not punished at all times, uh, it doesn't then take away. We go, oh, well, then it's no big deal. No, we see the gravity and the seriousness of sin. And even though I might not receive an immediate punishment for it, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And I think in a similar way, there might be times in my classroom where I punish some kids for something. And then other times, it, because of a di- different circumstance, they might do that same action and I don't really punish it. Uh, maybe it's trying to set an example of what happens. Uh, there might be many things that, that play into this. And so I think that just because uh, God does not punished all evil at the exact same age, during this lifetime, it doesn't make him inconsistent. What we do know in scripture is that all actions will be punished at the final judgment. Uh, Those that maybe uh, evil flourished more, they'll still receive judgment. Those that seem to get away with their evil actions and not receive punishment here in this life will receive punishment. Uh, And so all things will be made right at the final judgment. And so, as far as why uh, it, it seems not consistent now, well, maybe God hasn't told us exactly why. And so, no, we can't give an exact answer, but I do think that there are some possible reasons, uh, and, and that is one of them that I explained, and there's probably others that I could go into as well. So I guess if you're uh, listening to this, you can comment uh, or, or respond with what explanations you think also uh, that, that God would have for um, allowing some evil to flourish while punishing it at other times. So let's finish out the video. A last, maybe quick thing to say is most people have a, a wrong view of why God commanded the killing in the Old Testament. It wasn't this arbitrary thing where God is just like, eh, I'm going to kill that person. It wasn't just random. What we see when we read the Old Testament is that everything that was done through the Israelites when the, you know, the Canaanites were wiped out, it was always a form of punishment because of the evil acts that they were doing. And so something that I think almost every person I've ever met agrees with is you ask them, do you think... That evil should be punished. Was everyone going to say? Yeah. yeah. Now, maybe you don't like the way it was punished. But everyone pretty much will agree that evil should be punished. Well, here's an example of evil being punished. What don't you like about it? Maybe you don't like the way it was done, but there's an example of, hey, here's evil. It was judged. And so, again, these are maybe ways that as you ask questions and get to know, figure out what is their actual objection to it, what we see in the Old Testament is that God is loving, therefore he doesn't allow evil to flourish. He wants to end evil. These people were doing evil things. They deserve punishment. They were punished. And so I think that those are a couple ways that we can look at it. Um, and even when you look at the Old Testament, I forget exactly where. The Israel, um, Israelites spent extra time in Egypt. And it says because God wanted to allow like just like 400 years or something to the Canaanites to see if they would change their ways. Um, that's a very probably bad paraphrase, but I'm trying to think uh, off the top of my head. And God actually gave them more time to, try to, to allow them to change their evil ways, and they did not And then judgment came. And everyone recognizes that we need to judge evil. So that's a difficult question when you're talking about God allowing evil. Um, and there's other ways that we can get and why would he allow other types of evil. But is, when we're looking at the specific of can a loving God command these things in the Old Testament, yeah, I think it's consistent with a loving God that people choose evil things, they get punished. Um, Hope that helps. Cool. Good question. All right, well, there is the end of the short Q&A video, uh, as well as my explanation to some of these objections. Now, obviously, the very difficult thing about doing uh, an explanation like this that I just did is that I don't have the person to dialogue with. And, and so hopefully I was doing my best uh, to read what he said and and respond in the in what I thought he meant by his uh, comments. Uh, but obviously, this is something that once uh, they can use a lot more explanation, dealing with a very uh, difficult topic like God commanding uh, the killings in the Old Testament while still being uh, loving God. God. And so um, I would love your comments, your feedback, uh, maybe your explanations to some of these objections or maybe even your thoughts on if you thought I uh, misrepresented something that was said in the comments. Uh, you can also go click on that post uh, on, on coffeehousequestions.com and read his comments for yourself and see how I did it at responding to those. And so uh, without anything else, uh, let me give you one last time uh, ways that you can connect. Uh, you can connect uh, on Facebook at Coffeehouse Questions uh, Facebook page, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And Snapchat uh, at RyanPolly3 is the ad there. Uh, email those questions into questions at contact, uh, contact at coffeehousequestions.com or by text message at 714 989 6927. Have a wonderful rest of your day.